Welcome to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast. In this episode, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Today's episode is a recording taken directly from a live Q&A session with Breathing Deeply founder Brant Pasalakwa and students of our Yoga Therapy Foundations program. The first question is, how to not underprice yourself when charging daily rates for corporate clients? By not underpricing yourself. So, so um, people respond really well to like well-organized proposals, as I know you know, because after we hung out at the retreat, I learned lots of things about things you've done in your life. So yeah. I know you have written proposals before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the real question is, what do you, what do you want to make? So you could do it a few ways. I would probably be prepared to kind of blow them away because they think you're a yoga teacher. So I would probably go in being like, here's what we know about, I would have that on your mind. Like, Here's what we know about, as a yoga therapist, about resiliency, about preventing burnout. Um, and the really short version of that is, uh, there's been studies on this, yoga is a really good idea. And the question is like how to implement it. So I can definitely like teach yoga at your conference. Um, I'll get back to the money in a second. So I can teach yoga at your conferences. I can give a talk on the benefits of yoga as a yoga therapist and their own personal resiliency. And with that, I could offer online classes, something prepackaged, like, cause what's the point really if they're not gonna do it? You know, there's no real, they're not really offering them anything. So this is the position I've always been in with all these kinds of things where people are like, we want that. And like, they don't know what they want, right? They don't know, they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. So what I would say is, why don't we offer, you know, I mean, if you're willing to do it, uh, you know, these short 20 minute um, yoga classes for your teachers and staff online, pre-recorded. And why don't I give a talk on Friday night? So it's like a package, right? So as a yoga therapist, because I'm a yoga therapy teacher, as a yoga teacher, just charge them. I don't know. Just charge them as much as you can. That's what you do as a yoga teacher. As a yoga therapy teacher, Uh what you do is educate them on how to do it correctly. So you can choose which way you want to go. And I'm saying, if you want to do it correctly, those groups are all going to lead to some sort of thing they can utilize throughout the year because there is zero efficacy in you teaching a bunch of yoga classes. And that's why you're taking this course because you're bored of that. I will say on pricing, you always have to factor in anytime you like leave the house, you know, you got to be charging for all your time. It's not worth it unless you're doing something like you feel really strongly about. But try to give them a little education because they could they could actually offer something useful. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't care. So I would ask them that. I would say, are you, would you be interested in me helping people develop tools that they could use throughout the year? Or is this just for the conference? In terms of charging, you know, I was lucky. I'm just going to say this and I'm kind of funny way I was lucky to grow up yoga wise in New York so one of that one of the things that helped me 
you know, when you live in New York, it's like you get really good for charging for things because just like you're just constantly bleeding money. So, you know, you get over a lot of stuff really quick. Like if, if I was where I was now, it probably wouldn't happen. I would just keep in mind that people will always tell you when they can't afford you. Money is mostly about what you need. This is how I look, just as a general thing for everyone. Money is about how much you need to make. Like, so, you know, there's the market, but the market is it's like a very, is a moving target, right? Because nobody's you. If they just needed a generic yoga teacher, they could get that for nothing. There's a million yoga teachers. So they, they like you. And you just have to think to yourself, like, what makes this worth doing? Yeah, you put the price up. And it's fine if they don't if they don't want to do that they won't. You can also ask them that they have a budget on mind. It's just money. I mean, people, it, it's it's just money. It's they know they're gonna pay you. Never think like that. Like, oh, I don't want to offend somebody by asking how much they're gonna pay me. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like every client knows they're gonna have to pay you. Like everybody knows. <laughs> so you just kind of, you know, put it out there, and see what happens it's it there's always that part inside you that has like issues charging for every anything yes yoga related I mean maybe not but I have that part oh, like no I'm just like I don't really want to be charging anyone for anything you know but that's not how it works so here we are we did some donation-based classes in town here for a while and um yeah it's really interesting what you see you yeah. know um there was a big one in New York uh, yeah, that did pretty well mm-hmm. yeah but they did they had like um you know like 150 people in the classes so it kind of worked out one teacher you know so half the people wouldn't pay and it would be fine you know it, it just didn't make a difference and really it's it's it is inexpensive like that's the thing i i'm on the other side with the like i'm like look i can record four yoga classes for you you know and give this talk and these people can use these different length yoga classes and those that yoga classes is going to honestly take me like probably five or six hours and you know I can charge you I don't tell them that part but you know I can charge you two thousand dollars for these things you know um that you're going to get so much benefit from you know they don't know that that exists like a sort of custom you know, you can really think it through, you can look at research, you can have it research-based and be like, this is what we see for resilience. I mean, that might like blow them away. They're like, I didn't know we could offer this. Is cold sensitivity related to fibromyalgia? So one of the features of fibromyalgia, right, can be this like increased sensitivity to pain. And then, you know, your brain gets sort of good at that. There's been a lot of, for years, people wouldn't get diagnosed with fibromyalgia and people would say it's all in your head doctors kind of um mm. and they were wrong but they were right a little bit there's always some truth you know sure. Sure. and what they were seeing is people with like just really different kinds of symptoms okay um and they could tell there was like what they thought was a, a psychological component but i think it's okay. more like probably a brain anatomy component right sure yeah um which are the same in some ways okay. so um, so I could see how that could be related in terms of his sort of like neural pathways just being like wired for, because I've seen this a lot in my practice. I've worked a lot with fibromyalgia and other autoimmune diseases, but um, I've just seen a lot of people with pain syndromes 
that seem to be like hypersensitive, mm -hmm. like to cold or heat or mm -hmm. discomfort in various ways or, um, so yeah, that's making sense. So, so what I would be doing is pretty simple. I would, mm -hmm. I would be trying to like rewire him is how I would be thinking about it. All right, let's, let's look at all the ways. Okay. One way would be like a doshic way. Mm -hmm. And that actually might be a kapha imbalance where mm -hmm. it could also be a vata imbalance, but it could be a kapha imbalance and where you sort of have like, you don't have enough integrity in the system. So you, you could you could look at it that way. You could look at it as what would happen. Could I get this person to like tolerate, tolerate, you know, uncomfortable things a little more. And that usually involves where you're going is getting them to meditate but right. what that usually involves is starting with asana right you know you have to kind of go step by step through the koshas to get there but what you what you're what you're wanting to do is have him have it easier because my guess is he wouldn't be able to do like these like contemplative practices like asana is a contemplative practice right like you're you're paying mm -hmm. attention <laughs> right to your body it's it's mm -hmm. like a dharana practice in a way where you're, you're bringing focus to things so sometimes that will create a situation where you can kind of move through the system and eventually end up with meditation or yoga nidra or something that will like change his like, um, I mean, we know that sometimes those things can like change people's ability to deal with pain or mm -hmm. how they perceive pain, for instance. Mm -hmm. So you could go on that kind of trip. Okay. Um, th those would be the two ways I would think about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't be trying to like solve his whole problem. I, I would think about it more like why is his mind, because you could, I could be wrong, you know, but one way to look at it is he's not cold. He, he thinks he's cold. Like right. you're only cold because your brain says you're cold. Um, you could look at it as a, not to confuse you or give you too many options, but a pranic body disorder, with all this like nervous system stuff. Um, where the prana is like just completely dysregulated. So maybe with some simple breathing practices and prana nidra, he might shift, you know, relatively quickly. People who work with, especially like conditions like fibromyalgia, there's a lot of sort of underground talk about the mental health aspect mm. and like the chicken and egg stuff around it. And my guess right. is from an Ayurvedic point of view, there's like 18 reasons why you have fibromyalgia symptoms and that's why it's hard to pin down it's not really one thing in this segment brant discusses how to approach working with challenging clients who have a history of trauma you're sort of waiting for the yoga that you do to create some sort of brain change it could be very minor that would get you moving in the direction you want to move and so i've worked with lots of people who are, are just difficult and big like that and it can be extremely challenging so, um, you know, on a personal note, you have to decide if you really want to do that. Like you can't be half in. I took a little oath to myself at some point, um, which is not the same right now as it always was. So things change, but, but my main deal always was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to do anything I get can to help people not suffer as long as it's not going to cause like a huge problem in my life, you know? Um, and like, that's my service component to my yoga. And I'm just mentioning this because I just want you to see the trajectory. For me now, I don't do as much of that because like I've sort of 
shifted my service component to the school, which has changed things. But for years, that's how I functioned internally. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I'm saying that to you is because that was really important because I worked with a lot of very challenging, very, very difficult people. You know, I didn't really like them. I loved them, but I did not like them. So, you know, and I was okay with it because I, I had that viewpoint. It's also okay to be like, I don't think I can help you. Not because you're unhelpable, because I am not capable of doing what you need, you know, um, which is a little tricky to talk to somebody about, but like, that's okay. If you're like, look, I am not set up to have somebody with this mental health condition as a client. When someone says, I need you, it's like, you want to give people agency and you know, I, I push it all the time. On the other hand, they're really just saying they need help right? They don't know what they need. If they knew they'd be, they wouldn't need you anymore. You know what I mean? Like, but Mm -hmm. they know they need help, right? So you've got someone in sort of a desperate situation. Acute stuff is super hard. It is super hard. I try to like, see if they're in a place where they're workable in like a sort of a way that's like not so intense. Like I'm not worried about them having to go to the hospital. I've done that work a lot too. It's just like right now, I'm not as set up for that as I used to be. Um, Some of it's just like my life, like the ages of my children. And, you know, like I can't be so focused, you know? And so I need them to have a lot more support. So it's just things to think about. And lots of people, when we do the trauma modules in the advanced program, like you hear people saying, like, I don't know if I ever want to work with trauma based on what I just learned, you know? And, and I'm like, yeah, like you might not want to do that because it requires a level of commitment. You might, you know, maybe it's more fun to just, you know, uncurve curves in the lumbar spine or something. Like there's lots of things you could, you know, I I really have to share that like I've seen many, many times where I'm working with somebody and it's just nothing's happening. And I'm like, oh gosh, you know, this is not going well. And then all of a sudden it's going well. Like I've seen that enough times to just kind of hang in there because you never know. You know, we see people turn huge corners. You know how we see it with like certain people it's like you're doing this work and you're not seeing any results. And then they like get super motivated to do something else. That happens a lot. Like you see that they get a little bit of clarity, you know, like whether it's like getting themselves in a better life situation or like getting a new therapy, psychotherapist of some sort that's like perfect for them or like they, they gain the ability to do things. That seems to be one of like the yoga superpowers is to you do enough of it and then your brain's like okay what do i you know <laughs> it starts functioning you know <laughs> and you're like all right i probably need i probably need to do x y or z to help myself so that's i've seen that a lot in this final segment brant talks about karma and karmic patterning as a yoga therapist there's so much there and from a yoga perspective it's it's really all based right on this karmic pattern so one of the things we have to remind ourselves are, especially when we're working with people with sort of just a lot going on like that, is that there's no way to analyze it. 
because we're all being guided by our karma, right? Unknowingly, all the time. Like we have to remember when we're working with people that they're not actually any different. It's just like a different level or flavor. It's like you didn't have that situation or whatever. So you're, you're not doing exactly what she's doing. And I'm not saying there's no differences between your lives, but at the same time, nothing we do, nothing, almost nothing we do is like clean like that, you know? And for me, it's been a really helpful part of practice to like understand that about myself, you know? And then with clients, it can, it can actually help you keep your mind open, you know? It's just someone working through their karmic patterning. And some of it's like more obvious and big, you know? But sometimes if we say to ourselves, like everything, like if I say to myself, everything I do, right? is because of my upbringing, my karmic patterning, everything. Every single thing is influenced by that. The food I like to eat, <laughs> you know what I mean? The color of the shirt I put on today, all the choices I make that seem like really altruistic are also not, you know, they're also self-serving. They're also all those things. It's a hard thing to do, you know, to keep, to be there all the time, you know? I guess an enlightened person understands these things supposedly, but like, you know, it's a hard thing to like keep our perspective that open. You know, so that's helped me working with really difficult people because while I'm working with them, this is where I'm going with all this, is that I'm seeing someone who's just like me. Like literally, it seems so different, but is it, I mean, am I here because I want you to learn yoga therapy or I want you all to just listen to me talk for an hour? Probably both, right? Probably both of those things at the same time. I mean, I'm not thinking I want you to listen, but that's in there, right? You've put yourself into all these situations in your life that are good, bad, dramatic, whatever. It's all our own doing. It's our karma play and it's not our doing. It's like your karma playing out. And what yoga says, it's, it's only about what you do with it. It's, it's not about it playing out. So you don't have to worry about, of course you're playing out your karma. Like that's how nature works. That's what yoga is telling us. Right. And then are you going to learn from it? You know, are you going to like evolve from it or not? That is the only question. Thanks for listening to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a positive review and sharing it with friends. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com.